All right, guys, so um, Andrew asked me to give the intro for today's talk. Um, and as, as I talked with him about it, and as I, I read the passage and I looked at it, there was one question which kept repeating in my mind like a record. Just kept going over and over and over again. That question, it's on the screen right now, and it's what does my faith mean to me? What does my faith mean to me? And ultimately, you know, I've answered this question probably about a hundred different ways throughout my life. Um, sometimes the answer to this question has been, well, you know, my faith is something that's important to my parents. So, you know, I'll kind of live into it to keep the peace there. Um, sometimes the answer to that, that question is my faith is not important to me at all. Um, even if sometimes the answer to that question for myself has been, well, my faith is important to me because it's a social thing and I find my friends um, and because they also have that faith. And so if I don't have that faith, I want to have friends. And ultimately, I think we can all recognize that these questions are wrong. Uh, they, they, or these answers are wrong. They're not, they're not the right answer to this question of what does my faith mean to me. And I think the root issue behind all of these, these wrong answers is, what is your view of grace? Do you have a cheap view of grace, or do you have an extravagant view of grace? Um, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he is one of the coolest dudes ever. If you don't know anything about him, look him up. Um, he lived in Germany when Hitler was in power, and was one of the few Christians who took a bold stand against Hitler. Um, and he once said that cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Because here's something that's unique about Christianity. Christianity is the only religion in which it is not only okay, it is demanded that we recognize our worthlessness. You see, in every other religion, there's an aspect of it where you have to do something or perform something or pray enough times or do something to help earn your faith. And yet in Christianity, it starts from a base of worthlessness, the fact that we bring nothing to the table and yet we are still loved by God in that. Um, Timothy Keller, I've been reading a book by him recently, and he once said, God's grace does not come to people who morally outperform others, but to those who admit their failure to perform and acknowledge their need for a Savior. Unless you're able to come to that, that point of brokenness, you aren't able to fully receive Christ. And yet I find it really interesting because in the passage that Andrew's going to be talking about later in today, the last verse talks about how we are not to come to Christ shrinking and in fear, but we are to abide in him, which is an interesting thing because if, if I'm broken, if I'm worthless, if I'm not worthy of being loved, then how can I approach a worthy God without fear and without trembling? That's a scary thing. And the reason is because we have to recognize the extravagant grace that Jesus gave it all, that despite our worthlessness, he has still loved us. And the thing about that grace is it's real. And in this passage, we're going to be talking a lot about real versus fake, the world versus Christianity. Um, and so I brought my handy-dandy Hidden Valley Ranch with me today. I know I'll be wondering, why does Ryan have Hidden Valley Ranch? So here's the deal. <clears throat> when I grew up, my mom was super into health foods and stuff like that, right? Like, we drank carrot juice so much that our nails turned orange. Um, it was bad. Um, and so I never liked ranch because she would always get these like recipes and they're always like super drizzly. They weren't any good. They're nasty. Well, eventually my mom gave up on that 
and she bought some Hidden Valley Ranch. And for the first time, I tasted what real ranch was, right? And it was incredible. Like, I decided I liked salads. Like, I had a salad every single day. I was like, oh, I just broke the mic. Um, I was like, you know, throwing ranch on everything. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, you couldn't even see the green of the salad because I had so much ranch on it. But it was amazing. I just love the ranch. And it's the sort of thing where now if I get a salad, like, you can instantly tell whether it's Hidden Valley Ranch or a knockoff brand ranch, right? Like, the moment you put that salad in your mouth, they're like, man, this, this ranch just does not compare to Hidden Valley Ranch, right? And it's dissatisfying. It's not satisfying. When you think you're going to have that ranch, and it's dissatisfying. And you see, it's the same way when you taste something real, when you taste the extravagant grace of God. It's real. For the first time in your life, you've tasted it, you've sensed it, and you're like, that's what it's supposed to be like. That's what life's supposed to be like. And, and when you fade from that, when you stray from that, is dissatisfying, and you can you can feel it, and you can recognize it. And one time, somebody asked me, um, I was at a wedding of all places, and he asked me three questions. He asked me, he said, why don't you drink and party? He said, why don't you have premarital sex? And why don't you um, curse all the time? Those were the three questions he asked me. He was a non-believer. Um, and I told him at that time, I said, well, you know, the reason I don't do those things is because I'm a Christian and I live my life to have the opportunity to tell people about Christ. So if I pick to do a few things differently than other people, then maybe someone will notice that and maybe someone will ask me about Christ. And while that answer is part of the equation, it's part of it, um, I think I missed the overall arching point in the answer I gave him. Because ultimately the reason I want to live differently it's because I've tasted extravagant grace. I've tasted what real ranch is like, and so I don't want the fake stuff anymore. I've tasted that extravagant grace, and so I want to live differently because of it. And at the end of the day, I want to be able to stay, to say that I will stay and not stray. So I'm in Aldi today, and look what I found. <clears throat> Ranch dressing. <laughs> Tuscan Garden. It's <laughs> trash. Don't eat it. We're going to have to do a taste test. This one's like almost gone. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also it lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. All right, so one time, our campus ministry, my first job out of college was doing campus ministry at an engineering school, engineers, woo, right, uh, in uh, Missouri, 6,000 students, 5,500 of them were engineers. And so they were very awkward when it came to women. And it just so happened, so was I. So it worked out, well, I wasn't married yet. I was 22. And, uh, well, every year we would do this thing where right before rush week, we would go over to next door. We had a big campus house where we had like 40 guys that lived there. And they, right next door was the Zeta house. And so every year we would simulate their rush week. And we would go in there. And they would get to ask us really crazy questions, and what it, you know, nothing was off the table. You know, and I walk in, and somehow I got a part of this this rush week. 
And so I just want to show you what these ladies you may have looked like that's them like last year. But it was right across the way, right, right next to the campus house. We're all walking over there. And then the girl that I got paired up with um, was a senior. And so she'd done this quite a few times. So she's a pro. And so the first question she asked me, she's like, so what's your major? And I said, I went to a Christian college. I wasn't going to play along, you know. I'm a biomedical engineering major. Uh, no, I, I, I just said, you know, and I just, we just didn't really do it, what we were supposed to do. And she immediately said, oh, you're a Christian. I was like, I remember Catholic, and man, that stuff is old. Old. I mean, she kept emphasizing old over and over again about how it wasn't relevant for her life and how I was wasting my time. And, and I just started my first job, and here she's telling me how worthless everything that I was doing was and that it was really old, right? And we come to this passage and we see uh, something very interesting because the things that the world is saying about God, God is saying about the world, and what I mean by that, so we look at this and we look at the word for fading, and it's my favorite word in the entire text tonight that we're going to look at. And we can go to the next slide, and I'm just going to introduce this word to you. And it's the Greek word meno, and it just literally means it's abide, and it means to stay. And so when we were having our conversations about what we're going to do with this message tonight, Brianna, who's going to share here in a little bit, she is just awesome. I don't want to build her up too much, but... Um, she was like, oh, I know what we should do, you know, stay straight, you know, <laughs> and so that's kind of where we went with tonight's message, um, that that's our option, to stay or to stray. Are we going to stay with Jesus or not? I love that. And I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying that to you tonight? Are you going to stay with me? Are you going to abide with me? And... So when it talks about the world, it's almost like, okay, we're talking about like planet Earth, or what are we talking about here? And there's like four different things that it could mean from that same world cosmos. Which, um, but really what it's meaning is the evil that is in our world today and the stuff that we see all around us is the darkness, okay? The world is passing away. And when it says the word passing... It literally means to cease to exist. So literally, it's going out of style. The world is going out of style. I wish I would have known that when I was talking to that girl. I'd be like, actually, there's this verse in 1 John, and it says that actually you're going out of style. Those jeans you got on, they're not even good, cool jeans anymore, you know? Next week, you might as well just throw those on the trash pile. <laughs> that makeup you're wearing... That's going to be so over next week. You see what I mean? But what are, we, what are we still talking about today? We're still talking about the Word of God. We're still talking about Jesus. Why? Because He never goes out of style. And I hope you felt that tonight, that Jesus transcends every culture, right? Amen? He transcends every language, Every style, every generation, he will never go out of style. He will never cease to exist. He will always be present. You want to stay or you want to stray? I want to stay. Too much pressure to try to keep up with everything that's happening. I don't even know what, it, what the latest iPhone is. 
Um, but I just want to stay where it's stable. And most people in our world, that's what they want too, isn't it? And so let's uh, read the next part. I want to save enough time for breathing. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. If they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, and so it was shown that they are all not of us. But you have been anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. You have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lies of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies the Jesus is Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you, which you hear from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself made us, eternal life. Those things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But his anointing teaches you about all things, and this is true, and this is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, he may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know. That you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Thank you. So, the first thing that he does in this whole first section, and of course, I when I was a little kid, uh, we would always bring in like these apocalyptic speakers that would try to scare the teenagers into doing whatever they wanted them to do. Have you guys ever been to one of those churches before? So this guy, a particular guy, was coming in there and he was saying, the Antichrist is among us, and the credit card companies are going to put something underneath your fingernail, and you will take the mark of the beast and not even have known it. You know? I was like, oh, I'm never getting a credit card. <laughs> and, because uh, Fred Clark told me not to. And, uh, I think that is missing the point of the Antichrist. And it does say that the Antichrist is coming, and I do believe in the book of Revelation. But look what it says. It says that not only is the Antichrist coming, but there are already Antichrists in the world today. There are already Antichrists. And so what is an Antichrist? How do you, how do you recognize an Antichrist? You recognize an Antichrist because they tell nothing but lies. That's what an Antichrist does. An Antichrist will always try to look like the original, but it's not the original. Just ask Ryan and I, we had a, a very interesting conversation with two Mormon missionaries did it this week. And they did not like me. They saw me the next day, and I was tabling in the campus, and I go, hey! Like I didn't even exist. Come on. I just told them that I, I wish that they would, you know, go to a... Bible-believing church. Um, whatever. <laughs> but one of the things that you need to do is just right off the bat, and, and even in that conversation, we were having that conversation, it sounded very similar. Maybe you were stopped by the same people. They're here for like uh, 18 months. You probably will see them. Um, 
It sounded so similar, and then it just went crazy town about halfway through. But you get hooked in at the beginning. They're so genuine. Sounds so good. You know, I can have my own planet. You know, I can have a multiple, whatever it is. I don't want to pick on just one thing. But you got to recognize the liars. And the liars will always contradict the Word of God. And that's the thing. The Word of God, the reason we can trust it is because it is faithful. It is faithful and it is true. And so all the things that the world has to offer us, all the things that, that will try to suck us in, are fakes. They're fakes. They will draw us in, cause us to surrender everything, and then leave us alone. God will draw us in and never leave us, and we will never be alone. You see the difference? And um, so John, John 6, 67. Um, someone, someone got that in their Bible. They could read that just out loud. Somebody on the spot. Somebody feel like it. John 6, 67. First person go. Sarah, this year? So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Keep reading a little bit. <laughs> that was good, though. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus drops this crazy teaching about. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And everyone just starts freaking out. What? And it literally says, Jesus did not start a megachurch. You know how I know he didn't start a megachurch? Because everybody left. He stuck with 120. You know, the people that ended up being in the upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit for Pentecost. There are only 120 people left. If your church has 120 people, you're doing pretty good. This is it's what the church started with at the very beginning on Pentecost. Of course, they baptized 3,000 people and became a mega church, I guess. Um, but when he said those words, people just scattered. This guy's lost it. And people are going all over it. And the disciples are like looking around, be like, wow, what a movement we got going on here. Everybody's running away. <laughs> and so Jesus, when it, after that happens, he says, hey, are you two going to leave? Are you going to leave and, and bug out and just and leave me as well? And I love Peter because he always says things. And sometimes it's so profound. Like he says, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, who does the good confession. And the next moment he's like, no, you're not going to die on the cross. And then Jesus is like, you're Satan. You know? And here he does another thing where he says, he actually speaks up and he says, to whom else are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. We got nothing else, Jesus. I quit my job. That's what I was thinking. I quit my job. You're my rabbi. I'll follow you wherever. I don't have any. And, and my wife and I have had this conversation all the time, and we're going through a rough time of doubt. That's where we're at. Somebody gets cancer, and nothing's happening. Or uh, relationship problems. I can't make it out of this. I got nowhere else to go. Nowhere else is good. So what do you do when you don't want to go anywhere? You take your shoes off. You ever been to someone's house where it's like protocol to take your shoes off? No? 
I was just at a place. I'm always like making sure my holes don't have socks in them. Like my socks don't have holes in them and I'm there. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, is that be very embarrassing? I'm sitting on the couch with my foot underneath my leg and it's like a giant hole in my heel or my toes sticking out. Um, but when you take your shoes off, you get comfortable in a space. You feel very comfortable. You feel like you're at home. Maybe you are at home. Maybe you're acting like you're at home and maybe you shouldn't. But when you take your shoes off, and, and here's what he does. And uh, Jeremy, I'm not sure if you can throw up that last verse of the passage that Riley read. Um, but here's what he does. He does this like really cool like progression. And I just want to share it with you real quick. It's just taking your shoes off. And so if you have just been a Christian, kind of stand afar and be like, Jesus is cool. I really like him. He's got good teachings. I'll even go to church sometimes or I'll even help somebody or whatever. And you haven't taken your shoes off yet. You haven't really started, decided to stay rather than stray. Check this out. So the first thing that he calls them, he calls them little children. What is it about little children that is so incredible? What do you, what do you love so much about kids? Their innocence, okay. What's something else? Brutally honest. Yes. Little children, unless they've been abused or neglected, absolutely are not afraid. They're not afraid. It's just like, I will. You know, I used to joke with my daughter, you know, trying to pick this up, and she's just trying to pick up, like, my guitar, and she's, like, 18 months old. She's like, ah, you know, she's trying to pick it up. She has no idea she can't do that. And so they have, like, this incredible amount of faith See, faith and fear are in constant opposition. Children have tons of faith and hardly any fear. As we grow up, we get loaded with fear and we lose faith. You know that's true. Well, just that doesn't happen. That kind of just, that thing doesn't happen. I'm not going to move past this. And I always have to remind myself and other people, are you speaking out of fear or are you speaking out of faith? So that's the first thing, the first way of these children. The second thing is confidence. And we can go to that list, yeah, confidence. And I call this the no paintball philosophy. Okay, a lot of people believe that they are playing paintball with God. If you ever play paintball, it's serious business. Uh, they shoot little balls of paint at you at high you know, velocity. It's just crazy. And I remember scared my life playing. He's a state trooper from our church. He's like, he's got a special gun that's like way hotter than the other guns. He's like zipping us. I have my hands up. He shoots one of my hands. Come on. But a lot of people think we're like that with God. We're like, we're running to shelter, from shelter to shelter. And we run to the next uh, little protective thing. And we, we hide ourselves from God shooting us with paintballs. And that's kind of how we feel. And eventually we'll get to God and give him a hug. That's kind of how most of us feel about our faith. The picture here is no, no paintball, no gun. Now, God could shoot you and into outer space if he wanted to, but the picture here, because of the blood of Jesus, is you're running straight toward his arms. There is no hindrance. There's no barrier. You're just running straight to the arms of Jesus. Third thing it talks about in the passage is that there's no shame. Shame is the thing that keeps us from talking. Shame is the thing that paralyzes us. And we've all been there. We're so ashamed of it. We just don't want to talk about it. We shut down. 
I'm a shutdowner. You a shutdowner? When things get hard or you get confused, you shut down. You make a mistake, you shut down. And so some of you this semester, this school year, have been working on, instead of shutting down when you make mistakes, you confess it, and then you keep running with confidence to Jesus. And we've already said that before, uh, that darkness compounded with more darkness leads into darkness. <laughs> and that's usually how we try to deal with our darkness, is more darkness. It doesn't work. Four, uh, practicing. Practicing. Present tense, continuous action. This is not something that we do once in a while. This is something, we leave our shoes off when it comes to God. Someone has their shoes off tonight, it was awesome. Um, just feeling comfortable. I feel comfortable enough with God. I'm not running from Him anymore, I'm running to Him. One of my favorite songs is Fierce by a Jesus Culture. Chase me down, seek me out. How could I be lost when you have called me found? Chase me down. God chases us down. I love that. But you got to run to Him too. And so that's the flow. And then last thing, think about that word abide. Think about that word abide just to stay in his presence. You could be in a, you know, a physics class that's driving you crazy, or someone's taking like a med surge class. What is that even about? I don't know. But she's dominating. Uh, but you know, whatever class that you're in, wherever you're at, wherever you're walking, wherever you find yourself, God is wanting to abide with you if you're willing to abide with him. And may we all resolve to stay, say, I would rather stay than stray. Brianna, that's your cue, girl. Thanks for lowering this for me. <laughs> okay, so earlier, um, I'm like not prepared for this at all. I told Andrew, and he's like, just go with the flow. Like, oh, great advice. Yes, I'll go with the flow. Yeah. All right. So here we go. We're going to go for the flow. With the flow. Wow, already messing up. I picked up the wrong page. All right, we really are. Okay. So, all right. Stop laughing. Okay. No, I'm good. I don't need it. Okay. So, you guys, I have to tell you this story, okay? It is absolutely nuts. I literally got hit by a truck earlier today. I'm not kidding. Do you guys believe me? Broken bones everywhere? No, no, you don't believe me. Why? Why don't you believe me? Does someone want to, like, answer? You're standing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm standing. Great, great example. Thank you. I'm standing. Clearly, I do not look like I have been hit by a truck today. So what if I told you that I love Jesus with like my whole heart, and then I walk out of this room, and I find this guy, and I just obsess over him, and then I skip going to church, stop reading my Bible to hang out with him instead? Or what if I said, Jesus is my only Savior, and as soon as I get into a pit of trouble, I run to my friends, my family, or just my own knowledge and try to figure it out on my own? Or what if I said that um, Jesus is my rock 
and I only, I put my whole trust in him. And then when life throws me a curveball, I crumble, I start to doubt, and I forget who Jesus has been in my life. So you wouldn't believe me. You know, I say all those things, and it's like, but you so quickly, like, fall apart. You would say there's not really much stock to what you're saying. That's the difference, like what Ryan was saying, between, uh, like, fake faith and real faith. Because your actions will show it. It's not that we are obedient to try to get God's love or try to be saved. We're not striving. We are obeying from the salvation. We are obeying from his grace. Because we know it to be true and we are acting because of that. Not um, out of trying to like be better and all these things. So lately, this past month, I um, got caught up in this feeling like, Lord, I'm, I'm just striving, and I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel joyful. I don't even feel you at all. I feel like I'm going through the motions, and it's just mundane life. And I don't see you anywhere. Where are you? All these things. And I kept, you know, I, I decided, okay, I'm just going to keep you know, doing these things, and I'm sure at some point I will be fulfilled, and I just wasn't feeling it. And finally, I just got to a breaking point, and I told Sammy, like my best friend, about it, how I was feeling, and she said, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You need to go to God and ask Him. You need to say, God, I want you before I want to pass this test. I want you before I want... Um, what, you know, before I want your answers, before I ask any questions, let me just say, God, just be with me right now. Just like a daughter who misses her father, just be with me. And after I prayed that night about that very thing, a few days later, I was um, talking with Andrew and Ryan and about what we were going to talk about in this very topic of obedience and getting stuck in this routine came up, and it was like God, I can't really explain it, but it was like God was just speaking to me in that moment, and I knew it was him, and he was saying, I'm going to be faithful to you, you, I'm right here, I've been here this entire time, even when you couldn't feel me, and that's the thing, we limit him to a feeling, so many times we think if we can't feel him, then he's not there. But he is there. Just because we can't feel him, we're limiting him. And when we don't hear his voice, it's not because he's far away. It's because he's whispering. And he's saying, draw near to me. Like a dad or a grandpa who goes up to a little kid and he says, um, here, son, i got to tell you a little secret. Come over here. And then they just wrap you in a bear hug and like squeeze you. That's what God's doing with us. He's saying, come closer in a whisper because he wants you to make that choice. If he's loud and bold about it, then our faith really doesn't amount to much. We don't really have a choice if he's loud and bold about it. He whispers so we have that choice. So why don't we, uh, like, okay, I guess I said it, but <laughs> we should all choose to say that we would rather stay than stray. Wow.
Okay, so I have one more story to tell you, then we're done. Uh, my daughter, at age two, was uh, diagnosed with this condition uh, where she was going to require to have glasses right before we were about to go on vacation, which is awful, um, because they just take their glasses off constantly. I want to show you a picture of her. And uh, her name is Tinley. And so things are going really well, and uh, basically how it works with little kids in glasses, the, the first thing that they try is just the regular glasses. They're not like glasses that I wear. I wear because my eyes are misshapen. I have astigmatism. Uh, her eyes are different. And uh, they, they start with these crazy glasses. You look through them, they look like madness. And um, the second thing that they try to do is they try to do um, bifocals for little kids. So she did, went to a bifocal. And like, it's like a legit bifocal, you know, for far away close up. And if that doesn't work, they do patching. And if that, that doesn't work, they do surgery on their eyes. And so we were just going, ticking all the boxes. And the thing that the doctor said to us about her eyes was, is that she said, you know, if we do not patch, and I did not want to patch. I mean, she was going to preschool at the time, and kids, and my wife wanted that first day when she was, Tinley has a patch, and she went to like, my wife's awesome. And, um, but the thing about that eye was, is that the reason that we had to patch the good eye is because the, the, the eye that was struggling was literally going to shut down and stop working if, the, if we wouldn't have shut, like, closed off the dominant eye, okay? And it wouldn't have happened all at once. At first, you would have noticed a little bit of a trail in the one eye, and eventually that eye disconnects completely from the brain. And sometimes, um, in order to stay with God, we can't be passive. We can't be like, I think eventually I'll come back around. Eventually I'll start, you know, staying. You have to be aggressive. <laughs> you know, he is whispering to you. You hear his voice. I always say this. If God says something to you and tells you to do something, you've got 24 hours. And what I mean by that is that after the 24 hours of hearing God's voice, it's like you didn't even hear God's voice at all if you don't obey. If you hear his voice and obey, oh my land, good things happen. Freedom comes. The chains are off. I'm I'm, I got my shoes off. I'm running to God with confidence. I'm not afraid anymore. And even though we did not want to do that. I did not want to walk around and everybody be like, what's that on her eyes? Is that a sticker? You know, or whatever. No, actually, that the, her eye is shutting down. Thanks a lot. I didn't want to do that. I hated that. But eventually, after um, many, 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 many days, she had like a chart. Where each day she'd take off the patch and put it on this chart and filled like two or three of them on her wall. That eye got stronger and stronger where she doesn't have to patch anymore. And I think, I think that's what God's saying to us tonight. What are you going to do to stay with me? Everything else is going out of style. I am not going out of style. I've been around for thousands and thousands of years. I've seen thousands and millions and millions of people just like you. And I've been trying to get all these people just to stay with me. Just stay with me. So I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and we're going to be done for tonight. 
Would you just process everything that we've been talking about? Maybe something's just been hitting you. Maybe, uh, maybe you know what your thing is that God is asking you to do. Uh, maybe you have an addiction of some kind and you're not really getting serious about moving past it. You're just, um, you just have good intentions, right? All of us have good intentions until we're willing, if we have a pornography problem, we're going to lock down our phone. And only one trusted friend will know that code so you can download apps. Um, whatever it is, we've got to get aggressive. Maybe, maybe God's asking you to, to go all in and to get baptized, and you've never done that. Maybe God is asking you to just do the simple thing of saying, on Sundays, instead of sleeping, I will be going to church. I don't know. If you'd like to talk to me or anybody else here tonight about that, we'd love to talk to you. I'll be closing prayer when we're done. Father, thank you so much, uh, especially for what Ryan and Brianna said. Um, we kind of took over. And uh, God, we don't want the fake, nasty ranch um, that doesn't satisfy. God, we want you. Uh, we want the real thing. We want you. We want the one who transcends through every generation, every culture, every language, every tribe. God, you are relevant to everybody on earth right now, and you will always be relevant. No matter how far we advance in our science and technology, you are still relevant. You're still speaking. It's just really impressive. So God, when everything else fades away, and when Jesus returns, those of us who have stayed are going to be jumping up and down, screaming, shouting, excited. So God, we, we want to choose to stay with you. We don't want to stray. May that be our heart's cry. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for coming tonight.